think I read somewhere that that you um, there's something something to do with happiness and your ability to experience happiness doesn't change from about it's programmed into you by about the age of 13 or 14 and there's not much you can do to change it it's quite a scary idea that isn't it I hope it's not true hello listener my name is V the voice of pod and I am the host of podcaster podcaster is a show where I ask podcast creators a number of random questions then they give spontaneous open and honest answers about life and the podcast they have created. Hello, podcaster. Hello, artificial person. V, hi. Please introduce yourself and your podcast to our listeners. My name is Tom Price, and I am a podcast host, the old flesh and bones, uh, flesh and blood type podcast host. You are the very much the self-service tills of podcast hosts. I look at you and I fear for my job. Um, and I host a podcast called My Mate bought a toaster uh, which is a podcast which opens the amazon purchase histories of various celebrities and pours through everything they've ever bought on amazon because the thing about amazon that lots of people don't realize and you will now uh, dear listener go and investigate v you might not be able to do this i don't know if you've got an amazon account or not but i'm sure a lot of the listeners have um you can go back to the very first thing and things that you ever bought so you go back in my case 2000 when i first arrived in london and uh the first thing i bought was the greatest hits of britney spears uh yeah so uh, true story and you see all the things you bought and they act as this mad shopping list autobiography or autobiography. you're welcome and we do a podcast on that and that's it thank you for joining us tom how are you today just had a nap mate just had a nap and it was a little one it was an eight minuter um which for me is is pretty low usually i go for the 20 minutes uh but this one worked really really well just sat on my little chair behind me you can't see it v because you haven't got eyes um but i i sat on this lovely orange chair that i bought a couple of years ago it's my reading chair and because i'm a middle-aged man it's technically my napping chair that's what it should be called i've got a napping chair like someone in an old people's home it's very comfortable. So yeah, I've had a nap and I'm on I'm on tip top form, thanks V. Are you ready? Okay, ready. Great. Let's begin. Where did the idea behind your podcast come from? The idea behind the podcast came from now I'd love to say I am a creative genius and it just popped into my head and I was looking at my Amazon account and I realized that the history of my life was spelt out in items that I'd bought in this unguarded diary uh, which is what the shopping list is when you look through all the things you've bought you haven't curated these things for someone you know you're not presenting these items it's you it's an honest rendition of you I'd love to say I, I popped into my head my wife thought of it they afraid to say she's a very clever lady and uh, she said you should do a podcast where you look at people's amazon purchase history and i said thank you very much indeed and i left the room went and now every single time i do my podcast and in fact this isn't me boasting because it's my wife's idea endless guests always say this is a good idea and every time that happens a little part of me dies describe your podcast in three words Amazon shopping listery. When was the last time you tried something new? Oh, that's huge, isn't it? <laughs> when was the last time I tried something new? This is a very timely question to ask a man 
about to turn 41 in a few days time worried that I'm in some kind of midlife rut and I'm not doing enough new things I I tell you what I'm gonna I'm gonna go for I recently bought a bike now obviously I, I rode a bike as a kid and I still know how to ride a bike because it's one of those things isn't it you never never forget um and uh I have been riding my bike around London, which I've never done before, and I've been to town a few times on lots of lovely new bike lanes, and uh, I've been on a few bike rides with my two young boys, who are uh, nearly six and nine, and they've got a bike each now, I've bought them bikes, so I've been for a family bike ride, without my wife, she's too scared, she's too busy sitting at home and thinking of ideas for future podcasts, uh, she's genuinely too scared to bike ride, because we went, <laughs> we hired bikes <laughs> about seven years ago along a canal, with some friends and she was convinced that something bad would happen and I kept saying no we'll go on a bike ride and we're going to discover bike riding is a a lovely hobby we can all do together and uh, long story short she fell into the canal she got on the bike that was far too big for her slipped fell into the canal so um I had to get her out of a canal it's quite a warm day though so you just ride the bike extra fast it dries you off but it's not a good also a canal's if you know what is the worst body of water to fall into irrelevant of death obviously because if it's death it's like waterfall clearly but in terms of just general yuckiness it's got to be a canal hasn't it it's a sort of it's a thinking man's sewer a canal it was awful um so riding bikes around with my family and myself and it has been an absolute delight how often do you google yourself <laughs> does searching for myself on twitter count um, do you know what? Less than I used to. Less than I used to. I had some very early experiences of um, honest and frank feedback from people when I first appeared on TV, probably the best part of 15 years ago. God, maybe even more than that. I was on a show which Richard Bacon was hosting and I made a uh, quite a bad joke. I thought, actually, no, it's fuck it. It was, it was a good joke. I made a good joke and not everyone liked it and I found myself did some hard googling i went deep went to the dark web on my name and uh i found a whole thread <laughs> discussing what a, what an unfunny thing but also it wasn't just the unfunny it was it was they, they really went for me in terms of intelligence that's what really hurt and i don't think i've ever dropped that scar i do think i'm quite thick and it still comes back to the the voices on the internet never listen to your trolls um unless they're Unless they're pulling you up on what you're wearing, that can be some, you know, often that can be quite helpful. Uh, and also the other reason I don't Google myself that often, I genuinely don't, is because my name, Tom Price, uh, is also the name of a town in Western Australia. Uh, there is a mountain called Mount Tom Price in Western Australia. That mountain has since been mined. It was an iron ore mountain that's disappeared. So it's just a little hump now. So like a bump, Tom Price. Um, and it's a, there's a whole town called Tom Price. So if I Google that, if, if I Google my name, I find that. And also, there was a terrible um, Republican in America uh, called Tom Price who I think lost his job because he was doing something dodgy to do with flights. He was pocketing money allegedly uh, through f through flights using taxpayers' money allegedly. I'm, I'm helping you out for lawyers here, V. Uh, and he he pops up a lot if I search my name. His name's Tom Price. So yeah, googling myself. It doesn't really um, end well in terms of feedback and uh, finding out about the movements of now retired and disgraced Republican politicians in America. Embrace change or stay the same? Well, there, 
there's a question V. I don't know. I mean, you'd know about this V. Presumably you get an update every now and again, but you still feel you're the same V. You know, by now you're probably V 4.2. I don't know. Um, I, you know, I'm on iOS 30 by now. Uh, and I, I'm always trying to embrace change. I'm always trying to improve myself. I read self-help books. I really am open to loads of ways of thinking and political stuff. And I refuse to be... Uh, labelled as left-wing or right-wing, but I have inevitably a completely wimpy centrist dad. Um, so I try and embrace change, but all of it's futile because I'm still the same idiot that I was when I was about 15 years old. And there's nothing There's nothing I can do to change it. It's very hard. I think I read somewhere that that you... Um, there's something, something to do with happiness and your ability to experience happiness doesn't change from about... It's programmed into you by about the age of 13 or 14 and there's not much you can do to change it quite a scary idea that isn't it i hope it's not true but much like with the trolls talking about me on richard bacon's show years ago it's one of those things i read years ago and it's really stuck with me so as much as i try and shed facts and information i've accrued that has built my personality i find it very hard um so uh yeah i do i do sort of end up staying the same <laughs> which which i would say isn't a bad thing i quite enjoy it i quite enjoy i tell you what i, I tell you what i am the same but I'm enjoying the change around me. There you are. That's a pathetic answer. What has been the biggest challenge making your podcast? What has been the biggest challenge making my podcast? Wow, I'm going to I'm going to think properly about this. I think that my organizational skills have been the biggest challenge because I have to get um a guest and a time and uh a place luckily nowadays not luckily obviously but because of lockdown and things that place is often they're just the internet and loads of people have access to that so that's okay um that's been possibly the biggest challenge either that or um the one-time password <laughs> that's really screwed me up so basically when you log into someone else's amazon if i go into my uh I've got a special browser on this computer, which I'm on right now, which I only use for my podcast. I've got a, a version of Chrome, which is just used for the podcast. And if I open that, I can see about 30 different attempts to log into Amazon with loads of different people's passwords, all my different guests from, I don't know, can I do some name dropping? Mel Gadroich, Adam Buxton, um, Gabby Logan. They're all there, all their passwords, all their emails, not their passwords. I've long since got rid of those and deleted those those don't exist anywhere on my system but for some reason the login emails stay there and anyway when you log into someone's account to begin the interview uh they have often have uh what's it called Tr three-way protection or something like that <laughs> three-way protection you know protection when you're in a three-way um and so what they do is they send you the code don't they which you get on your phone so many of my guests have spent ages looking for their password and email combo and then have delivered me that with a sense of da da and I've had to say yeah now I need you to be ready for an OTP and the worst thing about the one time password is it's not one time that's a lie it comes back every seven or eight minutes so often I'm in the middle of an interview looking through someone's Google uh, Amazon account then it locks me out then I have to interrupt my guest and say I'm so sorry we're gonna have to log in again and I have to then edit that out of the podcast so if you do listen to my mate bought a toaster which I thoroughly hope you do about every eight or nine minutes I have to say, okay, one second, can we just get back in? Thank you. It's very annoying. What are people's misconceptions about you? <laughs> uh, 
this is like robot therapy. Fuck. It's like I'm being tormented by Crichton's sister. Um, misconception. I don't know what people's conceptions are about me, so it's hard for me to know. I think. Um, I think different people have different conceptions about me. I think people on the comedy industry, in the comedy industry in which I've worked for years and years, think I'm really uh, nice and affable and lovely, and I'm not particularly. I don't think. I think I'm, quite, I'm a bit of a bitch, and I'm quite bitter, and I always have been. I've always been. I was jaded when I was thirteen, uh, which is the best way to be, guys. Best way to be. Um, and I think, yeah, the idea of how, what how, how people conceive me is fair. that's a really difficult question what what is people's conception of me um i'm not i don't want to move on because i want to try and get this right this is interesting i like this self-analysis god this is a narcissist's dream this oh that's why i love podcasts don't get to do this when i'm hosting my own podcast do i i can't interrupt sanjeev baskar and talk about people's misconceptions about me i think that here we go i think people think that i find presenting and interviewing and being funny to be debated to be discussed uh effortless and it's not i find it very very hard i find thinking of the right words i find thinking of ideas i find thinking of jokes very very difficult um i'm definitely not one of those it'll just come on the day it'll be fine i i have to chisel away and fight through a layer upon layer of marble like self-doubt which I'm sure many, many uh, performers and creative people do. But yeah, the idea that on the top level, I would go on stage, and this is a stand-up thing, and they'd watch me do 20 minutes and say, God, he's just so funny. It's just such a natural thing. Uh, that is not true. <laughs> this is all carefully constructed. This is a carefully constructed edifice uh, that you're looking at. Do you watch what you eat? Uh, I've just had four brownies. So that sort of answers the question, doesn't it? Um. I do normally. I'm normally pretty good. I've, I've lost a bit of weight recently because I've, I've cut the sugar out. But and I blame the euros. There's been a bit more beer drinking and a bit more. Let's get some. Let's get some Smarties and uh, uh, Maltesers and you know celebrate sport by eating sugar. I've never understood that connection. Coca-Cola adverts all over the euros. Like what? It's like they're trying to get people to anchor and cement themselves even further into their sofa. Their fat asses stuck in the sofa while we watch athletes and these perfect renditions of humanity on the TV, and we become chubby amoeba sitting on the sofa. I find that very frustrating. Um, I wish someone would sever the connection between huge sport and indeed huge events and hideous food. I get really cross about sugar. I've been a, I've had a sweet tooth all my life, all my life. Terrible, terrible sweet tooth. Um, I remember going to a on a school trip and I had Nutella sandwiches. I became known as Chocolate Sandwich Boy. Um, so I, and I've tried to eat less sugar recently, very recently, and it's been really successful. And I felt so much better for it. But I've slipped in the last few days. And like I say, brownies for lunch with a little smarty chaser. How good are you at keeping secrets? I'm so bad. So bad. Like... <laughs> my son, I've just bought my two sons a uh, new Liverpool strips. I'm a big Liverpool fan. And one for me as well. And it's on top of the wardrobe. And I'm not allowed to give them the new strips until my son comes home with the results of his math test, which he's had to do at school. 
And no matter, obviously, no matter what his results are, he's getting the strip. It's going to be a celebration of well done for working hard, not well done for achieving, which my parents would never have stood for. But there we are. Um, that's what happens. These are, these are Blair's babes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I will be giving him a Liverpool strip. And I'm, it's on top of the wardrobe. And I'm so, so desperate to open it and tell him about it and look at it. I'm finding it very, very difficult. I literally sat there uh, at breakfast staring like a dog staring at a distant biscuit. Staring at the Liverpool strip, desperate to show it to him. So um, I am, I'm very, very, very bad at keeping secrets. And yet, here's the contradictory thing: people often confide in me. So I don't know what that means if I'm some sort of Machiavellian monster uh, or not. But people do tell me stuff. <laughs> it's usually I'm like, okay, great. And then it spills out of me within seconds. So basically what I'm saying is never ever, V, tell me a secret. Money or fame? Well, this is quite an easy one for me because I've, you know, I've dabbled in both. I've had little bits of fame and I've had little bits of money, you know, and it's it's absolutely got to be uh, money, hasn't it? Who, does does anyone answer fame to this? Who want no one really wants fame, do they? If you want fame, I think you're so, um, that's like so flawed to want that adulate the false adulation of people who don't know you thinking you're wonderful and brilliant and having this idea of who you are based on one little uh, facet of yourself. Don't get me wrong, I like to be appreciated. Don't get me wrong, I love validation. You yeah. know. I have a dream that someone will say, oh my God, I'm just listening to your podcast and, and stop me in the street. That would make me so happy because unlike everything else I've done in my career, this is entirely mine. Whereas everything else, whether it's acting or radio or all those things, that's always a team, which is great. I love being in a team. But in this podcast thing, it's like it's just my baby. So when people appreciate it, it really makes me incredibly, incredibly happy. So if that's fame, I don't know. But I just want my fundamental thing is I want to be in a car, with my kids and my wife and my dog and I want to be going to the seaside I want to be um, going to visit friends and family I want to be going on holidays and all of that needs money I just want to have a nice time with them and yeah I've never been one of those people who um, and this sounds like some sort of bid to be I'm just really down to earth but I just I fucking hate and I've been to lots of these celebrity parties and stuff over the years and they're just they're absolutely torturous because some people are amazing at playing those rooms and playing those parties and playing those games and having to do the fame things like for example I do a radio show and someone was telling me that on a um, competitor's radio station the presenter every day has to turn up two hours early for a breakfast radio show they have to be dressed in a brand new setup every day, looking absolutely like going to the Oscars. And this is doing breakfast radio. So most people turn up to breakfast radio hanging out of their asshole with a hat on, unshaved, no makeup, you know. But this person is having to do this every day. And then they have to go for a walk around the studios, outside the studios where they do their breakfast show from, in order for paps who have all been prearranged to take photographs of them to get in magazines so that they can be seen and their profile is high and their work that the, the petrol that drives the engine of their work can be can continue to be mined and made and that's fame and that is just like the worst i just want to do some jokes and have some money that's my basic thing so i'm gonna go for money there please v what has been one of the most interesting things you've learned making your podcast um 
there's been so many moments, whether it's uh, Rufus Sewell got his first driving lesson from Kiefer Sutherland. <laughs> we find that out when I interviewed Rufus Sewell. Um, I found out that Reverend Richard Coles' brother-in-law is a football mascot. Um, I found out that Dom Jolly spent six years playing computer games after Trigger Happy TV and his career went completely tits up. Dom Jolly, um, they took away his BBC pass, but all his BBC, all his stuff was still in the BBC offices. So he had to go on a BBC tour to get back in the building to get his stuff. Finding out about the intricacies, the little moments in people's lives is a delight. I found out um, Ben Bailey Smith, brilliant comic and broadcaster, uh, and brother of Zadie Smith was talking about his sister coming home to the UK and he was having to mow her lawn with a fly mow and he got a bit pissed and we look, I was looking through his Amazon account and I found an extender cable and I was like, why have you bought an extender cable? That's massive, it was really long, like 30 metres. He went, yeah, yeah, because I was pissed and I was doing the fly mow on my sister's back lawn and I fly mowed through the cable on her lawnmower <laughs> so I had to buy her new cables. And just getting these little glimpses, these little snapshots of people's lives. Ben Bailey Smith in Zadie Smith's garden, pissed, mowing. Oh, I just, I love that stuff. I love, and there's, and there's, this is, this is without blowing my podcast's trumpet, although this is the whole point of this. This is what we find out every single day on every single episode. Just these little moments that give you just a glimpse uh, into someone. But actually, it's not a glimpse. It's a, it's a peephole because you put your eye up close and you can see everything about them from one story. And um, every time I learn something new, Les Dennis, I found out that Les Dennis was the first act on after Tommy Cooper had died live on stage. And Les Dennis could hear the paramedics working on Tommy Cooper behind the curtain. While Les Dennis was live on TV, Tommy Cooper was effectively dying behind a curtain. And hearing Les talk about it 35, 40 years after it happened, as if it was yesterday, was just totally moving. And hearing how it shaped Les Dennis's career was um, just fascinating, absolutely fascinating. Um, so, yeah, that's not a single thing, is it? Sorry, it's not a great answer, because that's just like a vague, generic um, bunch of answers. There's just been loads, loads and loads of little things about great people. What is your favourite song? Oh, great. Come on. Um, my favourite song is Here Comes the Sun by The Beatles. That's it. That's all I've got to say to you about that. I think if you don't like the Beatles, then there's there's a good chance there's something wrong with you and you should go and see someone. Um, and I like the song because it is um, pure happiness and optimism and hope. And it's all the things that I know I am. As much as I... And you may have picked up on this by now. I have a pretty dry kind of cynical sense of humour and a pretty cynical exterior. But inside I have a kind of Labrador optimism about everything. A Labrador who knows there's a biscuit nearby and I hear here comes the sun and I, I hear the joy of being alive. Do you think most people have their hearts in the right place? I do. I do think they have their hearts in the right place. And even even the people who, you know, I have grudges against from, from slights that have happened over the years. There's a list, you probably can't see it. It's just off camera, V. Uh, it's a good job, though, with your eyesight, V. You'd be able to scan it and put it on the internet within seconds. Um, but even they obviously had their hearts in the right place and had their agendas. And sometimes when someone's agenda goes against yours, it's nothing personal. You know, they're just doing they're just doing their own career or their own life or their own personal life, and it's clashed with yours and a bad thing has happened. Um, but 
I do. I think most people, apart from the occasional true psychopath, there is there is true evil. People such as Donald Trump, as cliche as that is, I do believe he is just malevolent and hates because he hates himself. He projects that onto other people. Um, and I guess for them, their heart isn't in the right place because your heart's... Oh, God, this is so trite. I'm turning into a fucking branch of Clinton's cards. But um, your heart's kind of got to be in the right place yourself to to see... What am I trying to say? If your heart is lodged in the right place, you see the best in other people. But if you don't have that in the right place yourself and you hate yourself and you're not comfortable in your own skin, you can never understand... Um, other people's issues and how they disagree with you and how they're different from you. Who was your first crush? <laughs> My first crush was uh, when I was probably about 11 or 12 and there was a tennis player called Jennifer Capriati. Whew. Let me tell you something. You treat yourself after this to a little cheeky Google V and you will find she, that no one has ever been more beautiful, apart from my wife, um, Jennifer Capriati, watching her playing tennis and not quite understanding what I was feeling. <laughs> and my mum uh, was obsessed with Wimbledon, still is, and, and always watches every minute of Wimbledon. <laughs> Suddenly I was like, yeah, I think I want to watch Wimbledon too, and I don't quite know why I'm so interested in it, and I don't know why I've stopped blinking, but I have. I've got very dry eyes. Um that's quite a lot of thought, isn't it? Sort of sexually awakening whilst sitting on a sofa next to my mum. Oh, God, I'm getting indigestion. Do you compare yourself to others? I do compare myself to others. I think that it's impossible not to. And you only ever compare yourself to people doing better who are or who are better than you, don't you? That's often the problem. You look up when you compare yourself. You never look down and say, well, you know what? I'm, I'm not that person or I'm doing better than that person you know that's getting into sort of competitive territory which is just just the most toxic thing um so yeah I've always you know since first being a comic in London um we used to go and look at Time Out magazine because they didn't have listings online and there was no kind of you know tweets of who was at different comedy clubs it was just Time Out magazine once a week it was free it wasn't even free fuck it wasn't free then it was it was like I don't even know. Um, and so you'd go and, and see the listings of all the comedy clubs and you could see who was performing at which comedy club and you could see the bigger clubs had the bigger names and the smaller clubs had smaller names and you could see where your name was um, on that sort of uh, spreadsheet and constantly you'd just think, how is he, why is she on there on a Thursday? I've tried to get on there. That what, and you, 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 again, one of those things you just cannot lose once you start doing that at the beginning of your career, it's very hard to drop that. But it's very, very unhelpful. It's very unhelpful and everyone knows it. Everyone's very self-aware. Comics are all very self-aware. I know I shouldn't really be doing this, so I'm going to try not to. It doesn't matter, you still will do it. If hell exists, what is it like? If hell exists, it's being at a campsite next to a large family who have parked their obscenely large truck next to your tent and they're leaving the engine idling, the diesel engine idling, so that they can power their fridge to drink excessive amounts of alcohol and get exponentially louder as the evening progresses. And I can tell you that, because you won't be surprised to hear that's what happened to me two weeks ago, and it drove me nuts. Sound is my hell. 
and this is a i think a consequence of my i've got adhd and people with adhd are incredibly sensitive to sound and different sounds trigger me i'm very easily triggered by sound so for me hell is the noise of something like that it's quite a bassy thing just a truck just idling why the fuck is that thing on that's never going to get out of my head uh and and hearing people's music it's the bass that kind of thing i just i'm i'm leaping out of bed or off my seat or whatever i am even leaving the nap chair in rage uh when i hear loud music because it's the it's the window in to other people's selfishness that's that's the thing you just think why why are you doing that why are you playing this loud music two o'clock in the morning you know we live in a city you know there's nine flats around your flat with the windows open you know this is going to wake people up i spend so much of my time trying not to annoy people in that way and be thoughtless because that's what we've all got to do and if we all do that it's fine but it just takes one these people they're 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 human pubes in soup aren't they just one and the whole dish is fucking ruined it, and it's it is hell especially when you can't do anything about it and the worst thing is then you go and do something about it excuse me hi sorry i'm so sorry and you do something about it either they do nothing or they turn the music down a bit which is never enough and then you walk away feeling like an asshole i don't know if you do that i always walk away feeling like i'm the bad guy every single time so hell is not so much other people hell is other people's sound systems hot or cold Cold every time, mate. Cold every time. I cannot bear being hot. I get a heat rash from about 18 degrees up. I am a Northern European. I think I've got Scandinavian blood. I bl- I should go and live in Iceland. That's where I need to go. Um, I am the kind of guy, I am a pasty ginger man who, you know, it, on hot summer's days, I go and hide in M&S. There's a reason everyone in M&S in summer is struggling to choose a sandwich. They know which sandwich they want. They're just enjoying the excessive air conditioning. I really like winter sports. Lucky enough to go skiing lots when I was a kid. I like being cold. I like the feeling of wrapping up warm. I like the coziness of getting back in. I like hygge. Um I love Scandinavia. I've been lucky enough to tour around Scandinavia. I toured around Scandinavia a few years ago with Stephen Merchant as his um, warm-up act, and I just absolutely loved it. I love wearing a good hat, solid hat. You can't wear a nice comfy hat in summer because it gets hot and sweaty and itchy. Um, but you can in winter you can wear more warm cozy clothes whereas in the summer people do things like go swimming i can't go swimming i'm a terrible swimmer and i've I've got the hairiest back in the world my back looks like a dog's bed no one wants to see that i belong i need to be refrigerated during summer and then let out at winter what is the best piece of advice you've ever received oh this is good isn't it this is good best piece of advice the best piece of advice um i really want to i want to i want to think of the right thing here um very early on in my stand up career i was it was one of my first gigs and a guy called dan antopolsky brilliant stand up and writer and performer was watching me i was about to go on do my first my first or second ever five minutes and he sidled up to me and said don't forget this is the most important thing that's ever happened to you get this wrong and everything falls apart (laughs) and and in doing that i realized the whole thing everything i do for a living i'm not a um 
you know, brain surgeon. I'm not, people will not die. It's all just silliness and nonsense. And that was very good bit of advice, even though it wasn't quite framed as advice. Um, I feel like there's a better, I feel like I've got a better nugget of advice in me. Um, a good, a good bit of advice, actually, I got for radio. Um, doing my first live radio on Radio Wales five, six years ago uh, from a brilliant uh, producer called Ed. Uh, was uh, always say about 20% less, <laughs> which, I mean, listened to this, you'll probably agree with him. It's a good bit of advice. Just about 20% less is good. What three episodes of your podcast would you recommend to new subscribers? Uh, so I think we've got about 70 or 80 episodes of My Mate Bought a Toaster up now. Um, I would recommend going and listening to Mel Gadroich. That was a lovely episode just because she's so funny and there's loads of really interesting uh, stories uh, in her life. Um, Sanjeev Baska is a really great episode. Lovely, lovely man. A guy who only really got into comedy from about the age of 33, 34 onwards. So it's very inspirational in that way in terms of coming to comedy later on. Not one of these sort of 20-year-olds exploding onto the scene um so that's very inspirational and very funny loads of great stuff he's got a great story in there about being friends with roger moore because he was just mates with roger moore just talks about that and talks about meeting paul mccartney so if you like good name dropping done in a lovely charming way then the sanjeev Baskar episode is very very good indeed um and what else would i say was a good episode of my mate bought a toaster uh rufus shul i mentioned him earlier on rufus shul's episode is is really great um so I would say Rufus Sewell, um, Mel Gadroich, and Sanjeev Baskar. There you are. Those are my three. Are they my favourites? I don't know, but I would recommend them. What would your most recent Amazon purchase say about you? Um, so, hang on, let me just check because it's changed since I last looked. Because it changed, changes constantly. I'm going to do some live Amazon um, searching for you. Here we go. This is like doing my own podcast now. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. That works. My most recent Amazon purchase uh, was two Victorinox uh, Swiss pen knives uh, for kids. That's right. I bought a knife for kids. You can get kids' knives. Um, they're slightly less pointy, but basically just as sharp and totally lethal. And uh, that's because my kids are, I think, old enough to have pen knives. Nine and five? Yeah, cool. Thanks, guys. Um, my wife doesn't agree. It's all very well policed. They're not allowed with them, not allowed to have them without me there. We sit with them, we whittle sticks. Uh, and that is my attempt to recreate some sort of Arcadian <laughs> childhood that I believe I might have had, where we could sit with sticks, whittling them and chatting and um, being, you know kind of kind of countryside like something a bit more rural than the awfulness of uh, inner city life that I'm bringing my children up in the world in so uh yes the pen knives are an attempt to um weird that I'm using knives to take them away from inner city life anyway uh the pen knives are an attempt to give them a kind of 1950s uh Enid Blyton type childhood and uh, we went away for the weekend in the countryside and we sat down and we started whittling a stick and my eldest son nine uh cut his finger I would say with under, within under two minutes. Within under two minutes, he went, oh, my finger's wet. Oh, it's this red stuff. And he just probably gone over his index finger with the knife. So 
Done really well there. That's all the questions completed. How did you find the experience? Ah. Oh. It was like doing an exam on myself. I've got an A-level in Tom Price now, and not the town in Western Australia. Thank you again, Tom, for being a guest on Podcaster. It was nice to meet you. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcaster. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PodcasterPod. This podcast was brought to you by the Chancer Collective. Take care, and until next time, goodbye.